Welcome to Joyful Marketing. I'm Simone Soul, and I teach you how to get your life coaching practice fully booked without having to pay for ads, buy Instagram followers, or complicated sales funnels. It's not rocket science, and you can do it too. Listen on to find out how. Hi, everybody. Yesterday, I brought you part one of my conversation with David Bedrick, my co-teacher in the upcoming five-week course, The Shame Clinic. And yesterday, we talked about what shame is and how it shows up and what it means to get free from it. We talked about wrapping ourselves in cellophane, and we talked about what it means to take you, take you out of the cellophane defrost the wild animal in you and what it means to to look at that that wild animal who you are with a loving and curious gaze that says hey what's in there what's it like to be you tell me i want to know you so with that um and if you haven't listened i recommend you listen to that first and now I'm sitting with David and I want to ask him some more questions because, okay, we talked about what shame is and, and what it means to get out of it. So how does that uncaging actually work? I know that you don't use the words heal shame very much. You don't think of shame as something you heal. You prefer to call it unshaming instead. Yeah. Why is that? The idea of healing is so poorly used and irregularly used meaning people use it to mean all kinds of different things. So I, that's one of the reasons I don't like using the word too readily because it means so many different things to people. Mm. But let me tell you the main thing it means to people in the way they, the way it, they presume. They don't even think it. It's just been taught to them. Healing means I have symptoms and those symptoms go away, right? Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Say something. You have a I, was, is it, yeah. it's, I think it's kind of akin to telling a person of color who is suffering from racism like let's heal racism right in you like you're suffering yeah. from racism let's heal it like no you don't need to heal racism we have to create justice right that's right that's beautiful. <laughs> I think that's so, that's, yeah. that's a good meta uh, analogy if you uh, if that's you right agree. somebody would might use that word heal in that thing but more accurately but if you said what do you really mean by that they would say change the way people get treated Compensate people properly yeah. for their experiences, you know, and yeah, mm -hmm. that's right. And yeah. stop a whole bunch of things from happening. So yeah. that, that's why we, we use the expression unshamed instead of healing shame. Mm -hmm. I, I have yeah. to confess, I sometimes use the words heal shame because it's it's like a, it's a convenient yeah. shorthand that, that a lot of people understand, like you're going to get free from yeah. it. And yeah. I want to talk about one of the things that we're going to model and teach and, and you know, teach you how to do and lead you to facilitate the process of in the class. And that is approaching the process of unshaming in a shamanic way, the shamanic healing of shame or the shamanic yeah. process of unshaming you. And yeah. I love this because like the rebel that you are, David, in the psychological world, <laughs> we got to make things weird. And I'm a big fan of when we make things weird. What does it mean? A shamanic mm. healing of shame. Well, I wanted to say one thing about where we were and then, so I can make that, that relationship. So rather than focusing on healing shame, I have this experience. How do we put medicine on it? 
so mm. that the shame goes away. Yes. That tend, I've never seen anybody, well, the way I define it, and that people yeah. will learn about that in the class, I've never seen that become effective. It just looks like a a, 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 a person eating its tail all the time. Mm. But unshaming means to do something very different, is to see a person with these new eyes we're talking about. Mm-hmm. And that does change the shame problem. So if I'm a sensitive person who's trying to be tough, I spend a lot of years trying to be tougher than I than parts of me are. Parts of me are relatively sensitive. I can bleed. I can get hurt. If I spend a lot of time trying to get over that and I feel ashamed about that, I'll never learn about the sensitive aspect of me. So if you unshame, you're not worrying about the shame anymore. You're saying, what's it like to be sensitive? And if I start really going into that, then I learn something about myself, Simone. I learned that a part of me picks up very subtle clues and cues and communications of people. It's made me a fucking incredible therapist. Mm. Oh, you mean it's not just you get hurt? You pick up subtle things. You can go into a store and feel the atmosphere. You can go into a restaurant and know whether that food's going to be good before you even touch the, before you pick up anything. You can say hello to a person. A client can reach out to you and you can already tell what's going to happen and why you would want to work with him. I didn't know that about myself because I was trying not to be sensitive. Mm. But in that sensitivity is a fineness of a discriminating capacity to feel things. Many people have things like that. So, once I find the gift, I'm calling that a gift, that exquisite sensitivity in that, in there, the exquisite capacity to notice fine things and be aware of those. Once I notice that, the whole issue around shaming around sensitivity goes away. Because I'm just thinking, so somebody's saying, oh, you're, you're, you know, you're really way too sensitive. I say, oh, that's my best quality. I love that about myself. And I believe it. Now it's gone. It's done. We're done. I say, oh, that? They say, well, it makes me uncomfortable. And then I say to them, Simone, oh, you don't like people like me very much. It's okay. Can you hear there's no more shame? It's like, you, you don't. You don't have to like yeah. people like this. It makes yeah. you uncomfortable to be around people like me. Exactly. I'm like, no, it's not that I don't like you. I just wish you would. I'm like, no, you just don't like me. I'm like, like, I'm like that. Yeah. 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 Anyway, I just wanted to. No, no, no. That's so, good. To the shamanic thing, this may not be the best example, but let's see if I can carry that just one more moment. If instead of trying to heal my shame or help me get over my sense my sensitivity, which is most people are going to try to do, I'm so sensitive, I'm so sensitive. Okay, we'll help you be more, less sensitive. That's most of what people do. Yeah. So no one's saying, let's get to know your sensitivity. Then you say, what's your sensitivity like? I want to get to know it. And they have techniques and skills to do that more deeply. Which we're going to teach say, you. Yeah, we're going to teach you. Then I say... Uh, I don't know. I can get hurt really easily. You say, yeah, I know, David, but just feel your sensitivity for a moment. Well, you know, it causes a big problem. I know about all those opinions, but let's get to know you, the inquiry. Let's get to know what you're calling sensitivity. Well, no one's ever asked me. I just know why it's a big problem. Mm-hmm. And I go into, I'm getting more sensitive. Ooh, and I curl up. Don't say wrong things to me. I can get hurt if you say that. And then you say, well, it looks like you're getting careful. Can you get even more careful? Can you get so careful? It would go like infinitely careful. Mm. And then all of a sudden I'm like, wow, I'm walking around with this awakeness in me that I was just describing. Mm. Now look, look what happens. I move from, I wish I wasn't sensitive to, well, I'm sensitive, meaning I can get hurt. And now all of a sudden I'm walking around Simone, like I notice everything. I read an email. I can tell in the first two words, what kind of communication is going on there. Listen to the tone now. I'm alert. I'm aware. I'm so sensitive to the slightest things. I pick up everything. Now you make it sound like a superpower because it is the superpower. Yes. And, and listen to the kind of listen to the animal that just mm. got engaged. Oh, I mm. heard that. 
I felt that. I'm so aware of things. The way I'm acting right now is not the way David usually acts. Mm. David has become another person, not a person trying to be tough, not a person who's like, oh, don't hurt me, but a person who's exquisitely aware, who's going to do that with people whenever he meets them, and they're going to want to come to his practice and fill it up and have a waiting list, which I do because of that. Who is that person? What? How did I get to that? I shape-shifted. Mm. I shifted from the shape of David, a guy who's trying to be a guy, a guy, and he's a business person, and he's smart, and he's got degrees, and he's a lawyer, and he's trying to be tough. I shifted from that guy to a person who's like Zen aware to the littlest things. He walks around like with a microscope on everything, feeling and sensing all these incredible things. Once I'm all the way there, I'm I've actually shape shifted. That's a shamanic act. I'm not just thinking I should learn to be learn my gift of sensitivity. I'll think I'll practice that. That's not a shape shifting. The shape shifting is, oh, wait a second, Simone, you just said something. What's happening for you? Something a little off? Did sometimes I say something two minutes ago? I think I've noticed since then something's happening. The person who says that because he picks up all those things is a different human being. Does that make sense? Yeah. Shape shifted. And that's in the shamanic act is a shape shifting act. Mm -hmm. That's what the shaman does. They shape shift. Mm -hmm. Are we going to do that in the five week class? Absolutely. We're going to do that. Yes, we are. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And we're going to teach you how to do it. Can you tell us some more? I, I love this language. I love shape shifting this shamanic transformation. Can you tell us some more stories about how that could appear? Yeah. I work with a woman because I study a lot about body shame at one point. So I had a lot of stories in my my last, my latest book. And she said, I eat too much and my body's too big and all that, all the stuff that people can imagine she felt about herself. Yep. And I said, now like, now there's program after this $70 billion industry that would try to help her not be that big and not eat the way she does, right? And it'll never mention sexism and it'll never ask her, what are you What are you so hungry for? It'll never ask those basic questions. It'll never address those things. So I'll bypass a whole bunch of stuff so we can get to just one part of it. So I say, what do you love to eat? Mm-hmm. Right? People don't, well, somebody says, she says, some people say sweets, carbs. I said, no, I don't want to know sweets. I want to know exactly what you love to eat. Why? Inquiry. I want to know you. Well, I go to Starbucks and I like caramel lattes with the milk, not with the non-fat stuff and all this kind of stuff. And it has, I don't remember, 600 calories per drink or something like that. And I said, oh, fascinating. Tell me more about the specifics of that drink. Because I think far from her doing something that's sabotaging her, she's being her. And I want to know her. Doesn't mean she should drink the lattes, but I need to know what she's doing because I believe in her. I think that's an intelligent organism, intelligent animal Mm. caged up doing the best it knows how to do. But what is it doing? So she says, sometimes she's embarrassed now. Shame is entering. Well, sometimes the Starbucks is 20 minutes from where I live. And sometimes I go there twice a day to get those drinks. Mm. She really, she thinks she shouldn't have them. And she's bad and then she, she's sabotaging herself. She should heal from that. She needs more discipline. Lay on the shame, meaning don't get to know her. Mm-hmm. Some people say it's good to manage oneself. You should try not to do those things. Only 5% of the time that's ever helped to try to put discipline, even on, a, on an eating habit, sustainably. Two or three weeks, almost anybody can do anything. But 
So anyway, that's more research. We'll back off on that. So I say to her, you must really love those. I take out a, this plastic water bottle that was on the table when we were sitting. I said, can you grab that bottle like it's a caramel latte? Mm. Again, how come? Because I think, who's the animal, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So she grabs it. I said, I'm going to grab it and try to take it from your hand. You grab it the way you, as strongly as you really want it. You drive 20 minutes back and forth, 40 minutes, an hour and 20 minutes each day and do things that you hate yourself for. You must really want that damn thing, right? Yeah. And your husband thinks she's spending too much money on the damn thing. So there's a lot of reasons not to do this. So I grab the cup and I say, you ready? I, I pull on it. It comes right out of her hand. Mm. And I said, I don't think you were grabbing that cup the way you really, where you really want to grab it. Cause you, nobody can stop you from getting that apparently. Right. Yeah. 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 Oh, you want me to like grab it the way, like I, like I'm going to drive 40 minutes, you know, to yeah. go get it. I, yeah. I want you to grab it like that. How come? Cause that's her. Yeah. So she has it. I got to say, you ready? Yeah. So I start pulling on the cup. She starts pulling on the cup. So <laughs> now we're, and we're having, we're laughing and giggling like we are now. Right. It's kind of fun. And I say, ah, give it to me. She says, no. And I said, you can't have it. She says, I want it. And now I'm like, we're really tussling pretty strongly. Yeah. I'm like yanking this, this cup out of my head. And she's got both of her hands on it. And she's like fighting for it. And I'm like, good. I'm getting to know the defrosted animal, right? She's like this. Yeah. <laughs> I said, you can't have it. She said, I want it. I said, what do you need this for? She said, I need it. I said, you don't need it. She says, I do. I'm taking it away from you. She said, you can't take it. I said, what am I taking from you? She says, my happiness. Mm. Oh, oh, tell me about why you're not happy and why and what you need to do. Well, I've been a thing. I've been a mom and my husband thought I should be a traditional woman. And I gave up my degree and I wanted to go to law school, which she did. She lets me tell the story. So I didn't do that. And um, these are all the things that I didn't do. And I didn't finish my undergraduate school because he said, if I should stay home, she's hungry for things. She needs to grab more of those things, not the Starbucks. She needs to grab the degree. She did. She went, she finished her undergraduate degree. Her husband was unhappy with her. They ended up having some separation because, she, you know, she didn't, he didn't want that kind of person to be married to. Good for him, whatever. You can see how sexism would enter. I should, this is the kind of a woman I should be. She ended up going to law school. She grabbed what she wanted. Back to shape-shifting. There's one person originally, she's like, oh my gosh, I'm semi-depressed. I'm not very happy. And I'm making myself more unhappy by drinking lattes. Then she shifted. What's the shape-shifted person? I'm going to go after what I want. No one can take it from me. You can fight me to tooth and nail, and I'm going to grab what I want and never let it go. And I'm going to get it. And it's my happiness is the first thing that's important to me. Screw everybody. Can hear the end? That's a whole different human being. She shape-shifted into that. She's lived that. Yeah. She yeah. wasn't driving 20, 20 minutes each way to st- Starbucks to get caramel lattes. She was driving 20 minutes each way for the form of happiness she could find. Yeah. And so right. and then and that then that was to her in the cellophane. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And then to become who she really is. You know what kind of person she is? I want what I want and I'm going to go grab it and I'm going to reach out to the world and grab what I want and take it. Now you can see why sexism and other qualities. If you were a person of color, it might be you're being too assertive and aggressive to be like that. That's her nature. That's what she's really like. 
That's why I think this course I know is going to be so transformative because it's not like you're going to be you, but like a little bit better. You're not going to be you, but more healed. You're not going to be you, but more, you know, a little bit improved, whatever, more enlightened version of yourself. It's like you're going to like your makeup is going to change because I bet that you're going to go through not just one, but several shape shifts in the course of this course. Yeah. As you uncover What's it like? Ooh, I'm defrosting. Ooh, what is that instinct? Mm-hmm. Let me follow that all the way and become that. What is that yeah. instinct? Let me follow that all the way and become it. Let me ask myself mm-hmm. these questions that I've never fucking asked myself before yeah. to go all the way down to the truest depths of where those instincts are coming from and who I'm made to be, who the wild animal in me is, in me is made to be. And yeah. Our vision for you is for you to walk out of that class at the end of the five weeks, feeling different at the cellular level in from your body, but not different like you're a new person, different like all of your native instincts have been awakened and you won't be Mm. put back in the cellophane. That's gorgeous. I love the way you said it. Native is the right word. Your nature your na- your native that's right your indigenous self if we can your indigenous that. be indigenous to yourself yes. yeah right indigenous self who is that what are they like one yeah. of my favorite words and things i love to talk about is the idea of sovereignty and when people ask me simone what does sovereignty mean it's like it's a big word that we don't really use in daily life you know there's a dic- dictionary definition and the way i define it is when you are sovereign it's like you being indigenous to yourself you feel you are at home with your the native intelligence of your body the native intelligence of your mind the native instincts of who you are as a person right when you are living from that you are sovereign just as a sovereign monarch of a nation right yeah. is with her people or i just said her because i was thinking about queen elizabeth she's like the only monarch in my mind <laughs> right. you know her people her land Everything is at home where it should be. Actually, that's not the best example because, like, think about how much <laughs> Britain has colonized all over the world. Yeah, yeah, but right, right. It does not matter. I said the, mon- the, 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 the sovereign monarch, you know, the, the ruler of any, any nation, right? Any, and when we take that metaphorically, it's about being indigenous to yourself. What would it be like if you were being indigenous to yourself? That, and how do you not just discover that and live into that, but become that shape shift into that? Those yeah. are. The, the questions, the exercises, the skills, the embodiment that we're going to take you through in the five weeks. Yeah. Thanks for, I love the way you say that. Mm-hmm. What happens when you stop trying to get over yeah. being yourself and you start being, you resist you the, into yourself? Resist the yeah. efforts at colonization from the outside. We yeah. will not be colonized. We will be indigenous to ourselves. We will have our mm-hmm. land. We will have our resources. We will have our people. We will, we will speak the language. Mm-hmm. And we will have the culture that is ours. Amazing. So I was working with this African-American woman and she said, can I tell you something that I'm really embarrassed about? I know it's wrong thinking. She was socially awake about race and, and race issues in the world and how that affected her. So I know this is really wrong thinking, but I have the thought regularly. And then she starts whispering. Whispering means I don't want anybody to hear, which means and no one else is there, right? Because it, shame could enter, right? And I said, okay, tell me. She said, sometimes I wish I were thin and white. Mm-hmm. 
right? And she's like, I know that's wrong. I know that's like, hurts me to think those kinds of things. But I think those kinds of things. So, and then we had a discussion about racism and internalized oppression, and you shouldn't have broad noses and kinky hair and whatever, and hips and skin melanin and all that stuff. She understood that. That's for our audience here, that's covered, right? We're not ignoring that. But then I say to her the same question, what would be good about being thin and white? Mm-hmm. That's a gross thing because, right? That's we have to yeah. take care of the racial, the outer, right? She says, people would open doors for me, mm-hmm. not just literal doors. Makes me cry. She said, people would treat me carefully. And then she said, you don't hurt something if you think it's beautiful. People would not hurt me in the world because they would see beauty. Is that like, like, I don't know, it's exquisitely painful to hear. Yeah. I could hardly, I'm just getting choked up even saying that. And but and that was really touching to me. And we hung out there a little bit, and then I those feelings, and I said, What would happen if you were treated like you were beautiful, protected, doors opening? We want to make sure she doesn't get hurt because that's how we treat beautiful things. And she started weeping. I said, What makes you weep? She said, Parts of me would come out that would never come out. And Simone, I thought she was going to say, my force would come out and my powers would come out that I have to tame in mainstream culture in her business. She was in a a Fortune 500 business kind of setting. And I thought she was going to say that. I said, what would come out of you? She said, my love, my love, all the love that's in me would come out. That was amazing. Wow. She would shapeshift into a lover. She's a lover. You know what I mean by lover? I'm not talking yeah, about yeah, that. Yeah. Meaning there's all this love inside of her that gets bottled up. I was like, oh my gosh. And how we got there. It doesn't mean she should be thin and white and that she should think hate her, her hair. That's not the point here. We were following. Yeah. We just believe yeah. in her psyche's interest in something. All this love that's inside of her. Mm-hmm. She had a dream that she took. I loved your nighttime dreams. She had a dream that she was trying to get away from the police. Can you see why a woman of color would think about getting away from the police? The mm-hmm. things that are going to monitor her inside and tell you you shouldn't shouldn't be this way. We all have inner police, right? Simone, this is a good way to be. This is a bad way to be. We're watching you. We're going to punish you if you're going to if you do it wrong. And as she was running, she saw two cars that she was going to either get into one or the other to get away. One was some kind of like a middle America boring box gray car. And one was this like fancy car with lots of colors and all kinds of stuff. Right. And she's thinking in the dream, should I take this boring boxy gray car or should I get into that colorful, fancy, yummy, comfortable thing? She's thinking even her nighttime dreams has the same thing we got to. Mm. Should I enter my colorful self? Mm. What does that mean? The self that has all this love in her, is a big, colorful vehicle. So I would drive around in that. That would shape shift from literally right from one kind of car yeah. to another. Should I drive around in that? What happens if I do? Mm-hmm. Mm. How do I stay safe in a world that may endanger me? <sighs> I, I know. What do you say about that? You. I just listen. I, <laughs> I just love listening to you talk and tell these shamanic stories. Here's what I want you to know: If you're listening, is that. Yeah. There is like like David is telling us these stories, and there is a a structure and a set of skills 
that go with the unshaming work that he is letting us in on, that he's, he's recounting the tales of. And it's not like David just doesn't do these because he's magic, which he is, but right there is a structure. There is a coherent set of ideas. There are skills that you can learn so that you're not just like, oh my God, David is amazing. I have to learn from him. Yes, you do. And what good is it if it lives outside of you? We want it to live inside of you. This wisdom, this method of inquiry, these cognitive and somatic exercises, the skill of shape-shifting, we want you to learn them. We want you to ingest it and digest it. And we want you to create your own vocabulary of unshaming. We want you to get skilled and adept at it. Mm-hmm. And that is our intention for the course. Yeah. Anything to add? <laughs> yes. That's what Simone is bringing to one of the things Simone's bringing to, uh, to the program and has brought to me. David, help me and us take what you know from 30 years of practice and research and all those things, make it an offering that people put it on the plate. <laughs> There's your fish or whatever you like to eat or your tofu or whatever. And so that people can actually taste it and eat it and ingest it and get the learnings in a, in a way that has a, enough structure and clarity and specificity to it. And so be able to cook good. it yourself. And cook it yourself, exactly. <laughs> You're 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 a gift about you're an incredible gift to me. I, I I sometimes can't sleep at night anyway, but lately I sometimes can't sleep thinking, oh my gosh, because of you, Simone, this program and just what you pulled out of me in a way. I think some of the things I've been thinking about for a long time can reach out to people in different ways. Yeah. Um, and I have been able to see. You know, David well, has you taught. So oh, you're so welcome. And David has taught countless courses in the past on on shame and unshaming. And I think what what makes this different, this co offering with me, is that you know David is a is a therapist. He he comes from that you know therapeutic orientation, and so his past courses have been. And correct me if I'm wrong, but my understanding is that has been you being in the role of the therapist and the participants in the programs and the courses being in the in the roles of the, the patients and the clients. Is that accurate? Yeah. Some, some of my courses yeah, are just something. teaching people facilitation skills, but that's like a year-long that's, program. That's a separate thing. Yeah, yeah. I do what I do. Yeah. But yes, yeah. So as, apart from sort of explicit right. facilitation training, the, most of the courses on shame and unshaming has been sort of David being in his uh, ther- you know, therapist role. And for this course, what's really different is that I'm... <laughs> I'm I'm working with David. I'm drawing it out of him. We are we are creating a, a really a, a system because it is. I'm not creating a system. It's already there, and I'm kind of uncovering it. And we are, you know, David is stepping into the role of like somebody who can teach you how to do it on your own, right? I'm not just therapist. You're not just sitting there. I'm not just here taking notes, right? There is a process that happens. Let's break it down and mm-hmm. let's let's have you learn the skills. Right. So it's really about your skillfulness Mm -hmm. and you feeling equipped to Mm -hmm. carry out the work of unshaming in your life, in your creative pursuits, in your practice. Right. Mm -hmm. So that it really becomes, I mean, it's such a cliched word, but it becomes a tool of empowerment for you. And it it becomes almost like a, a map, a compass, a guide for you to find your way back to. The defrosted wild animal 
at a deeper and deeper level each time. You know, I've been, I've been talking about, you know, I feel freed from shame completely in a way that I've never, ever thought possible. I used to think that shame was like a chronic illness that I can't get rid of it. It's part of being human. I have to have some kind of shame. And the best I can do is manage it. All I could do was, you know, pain management. And the better I get at pain management, the more, whatever, the more I can live with it. That's how I, how I used to think of it. And doing this work with David and going deep into it has been just getting the cure. Like I got the cure and it's not there anymore. There's nothing to manage. And that doesn't mean I don't encounter the edges. It doesn't mean I don't encounter the edges of the next part of the evolution for me, like who I'm being called to be next, who, what parts of me I'm being asked to lean into more. What am I, what I'm being asked to shape shift into next to do the work that my soul is here to do. And that part is never comfortable, even without shame, it's never comfortable. But I've learned how to navigate those processes, those times without shame, but with, but by bringing the full extent of my humanity. So I feel more than I used to when I was wrapped, wrapped up in the cellophane of shame. Sometimes I feel even more pain, but it's not the pain of shame. The pain of shame keeps you in the same place, the same cycle of there's something wrong with you. There's something wrong with you over and over and over. It's like a jail of there's something wrong with you. But when I, I'm out of the cage of shame and I'm doing the work of becoming who I'm meant to be, I encounter the discomfort and the pain and the tension of what I think of as authentic pain, yeah. authentic, what Carl Jung referred to as authentic suffering. That is of me, the wild animal meeting the unpredictability and the unfathomable vastness and the complexity of the universe that has made my experience of life so much more colorful, so much more vivid, so much richer. It has allowed me to go for challenges that are more authentic to myself, that are much more true, you know, true to the proportion of my dreams. And it has allowed me to form connections and relationships with deep with people that go so much deeper that are formed at just a whole totally different level of quality because I'm not showing up with the cellophane version of me I'm showing up as the wild animal version of me and I'm saying you know what I'm curious I'm relentlessly curious to to meet who I am and I'm relentlessly curious to meet who you are what's it like to be you let's have these two wild animals meet and I think that's part of why so many people follow me and they love to consume what I offer, whether it's writing or podcast or whatever, because underlying everything I say is this authentic intention of, hey, I'm curious about me. Here's what I found about me. I want you to know me. Can you know me? Can you look mm-hmm. at me and know me? And in return, I want to know you. What's it like to be you? And that is the energetic undercurrent of everything I do in my work and my marketing. And I think that's why I hear over and over and over again, Simone, like nobody, like I've never met anybody like you. Nobody shows up like you. You're so unique. You're such a breath of fresh air. It's not because I'm doing anything super out of the ordinary, intelligent, whatever. I'm just a person. I'm just a person who has freed up the curiosity inside me because I learned how to get unshamed. Yeah, it's totally inspiring. It's another yeah. thing you bring to the to the table for the for the clinic. 
that you bring to me and to everybody that you live those the things that I've been thinking about even before we met you were something you was hungry for that exact kind of medicine so mm. you you live that so you it, take it in you do internalize and cook it and turn it into yourself yeah yeah so mm. Nikki Giovanni is an African American poet she just retired from, uh, in something like 80 years old she wrote a poem and one of the lines is she says I'm so bad I turned myself into myself. <laughs> oh. Anyway, you just, you just reminded me that that's how that's how bad she is. I'm so bad I turn my into turn myself into myself. I love it. I, I'm so bad even my errors are correct. Mm. That's that's un, that's an unshamed person, right? That's the shape shifting we're gonna do. Right? We're gonna that's find it, out right? how bad you are. We're gonna turn right. you into yourself. I'm so bad even my errors are correct. <laughs> I'm I'm looking behind you. And someone has a sign. Everyone says, "I love your imperfections." That's a kind of an unshaming thing, right? The imperfections, when you go into them, that's the music. Yeah, I have so much fun playing that music. I know. I it's, I I say on social media all the time. It's like you know what? I want you to like me because I'm human. I want your mm-hmm. approval. I want you to tell me I'm doing a good job. And people are always yeah. so shocked that somebody dare say those things out loud. Oh my gosh, she's supposed to get over that or something. Right? Yeah, I'm supposed to not care, right? I, I love money. I love being rich. I say those things and people say, how can you say that out loud? Well, mm-hmm. I'm so bad that I just live in the truth of that, mm-hmm. right? And uh, basically, basically, everybody, what Simone is saying is she's a really bad influence. So, I'm a you know, that's terrible trying, influence. That's what she's trying to say. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to brainwash. I'm so bad. I'm mm-hmm. such a terrible influence. I'm going to brainwash you into turning mm-hmm. right. into yourself. So... <laughs> David, before we wrap, any final yeah. words of invitation into these five weeks, starting on September 19th? September 19th. Final words of invitation. Hmm. I don't have any words at the believe it or not. <laughs> For once. <laughs> any, any words? No. My heart is full from our discussion and the intention behind what we're doing. And that's perfect just means it means so much to me okay perfect reach people yeah i don't have any words either my heart is also full of our intention and we're gonna let our full hearts be the invitation yeah all right my friends the link to sign up for this course is going to be in the show notes the shame clinic with david bedrick and simone soul that's me we hope to see you there and we'll talk to you later bye Hey, if you want a shot of fresh inspiration and actionable tips to improve your marketing every single week in your inbox, you better get on my email list. Sign up to receive my free ebook called 20 Unsolicited Copy Tips. It's been known to get people to come out of the woodwork and ask to work with you. So get on that link in the show notes and I'll see you in your inbox next time.